But I, uh, I want to start off with a quote. Uh, uh, as I was a Marine, I was a former Marine, and I've always liked this quote. I don't know who wrote it, but just a fantastic quote, and I think this sets the stage to really tee up what we're going to talk about, what's going on with Moses and the Israelites as they're making their way uh, into the Promised Land. So the quote is, it's the taking of Iwo Jima, and so in the North Pacific lies the little island of Iwo Jima. Its dry surface of volcanic ash has been likened to a landscape on the moon. And for this tiny but vital piece of land, we paid the price of some 21,000 casualties in our war with Japan. For the men who took it, it was never a question of feeling adequacy or inadequacy, courage or lack of courage. They took it in obedience to a command. And I just think that really sets the stage for what we're going to start talking about. So I just want to recap real quick. Pastor Drew did a great job, 1 through 25. Obviously, we're teaching in big chunks. That scares me unbelievably, but we're, we're teaching in good big chunks. And so Drew did a, just a great job of showing us last week that Moses was giving uh, what, would, what to be his first of three sermons that he ends up giving the Israelites as they're waiting to go into the promised land. And that's all through the book of Deuteronomy. But as he's, he's, he's doing this, he's recalling the past with the Israelites. Uh, he's recalling the failures or the lack of trust that they've had in the past and their fathers had in the past. And he's, he's, he's basically at the point where he's begging them, trust God's promise and enter the land. That's all he's doing with them. And obviously he's kind of, Moses is a stud, man. He's standing there and uh, he's got a few guys that are back in his play, but he's got tons of people on him every day. And so if you read when Drew stopped at, at verse 25, when you read to the end of 25 where it's like, uh, I, don't, I don't have the exact verse, but uh, mo, uh, the guys come back, the spies come back, and all 12 of them at this point are like right on the money. Man, we looked, and you're right, man. That, is, that land is awesome. God kept his promise there. That was God's promise, and, and like every other time, he's never lied to us. But then you start 26. So when you win that, you'd be like, yeah, Israelites, high five, baby. You guys are rocking it, right? They're right on the money with God's word. And then you start 26. And 26 starts with one three-letter word that has amazing value. And that's the word yet. So I just want to let you know what I'm going to cover. Uh, I want to, I'm going to pray real quick, and then I'm going to cover verses 26 to 46. And I broke it up into three sections. So we're going to do 26 to 46, and I'm going to do 26 to 33. So I'm going to read and talk about it a little bit, and then we'll do 34 to uh, 40, and then talk about it a little bit, and then we'll end with 41 through 46. Make sense? All right. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into these verses. Father, thank you so much for this evening. Man, what a blessing, and, and I'm just so humbled, Father. I'm humbled that the people here, the encouragement of everybody that I've talked to just giving me the strength and praying for me. And I just, I love our church, Father. I always have and I always will. And I love the things you're doing here. You know, you're, you're bringing people up, you're, you're moving parts, and it's just awesome to watch. And so I pray tonight, Father, I just pray that uh, you move me way out of the side. This is about you. And I just pray that I'm respectful and I, I, I say the words that you have for me to say that just bless you and you only. And so I pray that anybody that may have some distractions or anything tonight, Father, that you can just remove those and have them focus on your word tonight and ponder on it after we leave, Father. So I, I say all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, let's jump in. I'm going to buzz a little bit fast because as you can see, 
we have communion to do with each other. And so they took my time, and Briggs is like, if we can give Dave five minutes and get him off, that'd be best. Uh, and I negotiated to 30, so uh, we, we got a jam, though. All right, if you can open your Bibles, we're going to be at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 1, and we're going to start 26, and like I said, we're going to go 26 to 33. So uh, verse 26, yet you were not willing to go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God, and you grumbled in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren have made our hearts melt, saying, the people are bigger and taller than we. The cities are large and fortified to heaven. And besides, we saw the sons of the Anakim there. Then I said to you, this is Moses talking back to him, do not be shocked nor fear them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight on your behalf, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. So he's reminding them there. You've seen what I've done before. Nice little reminder. And uh, before your eyes. And so verse 31, and in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you, just as a man carries his son in all the way which you have walked until you came to this place. But for all this, you did not trust the Lord your God, who goes before you on your way to seek out a place for you to encamp in fire by night and cloud by day to show you the way in which you should go. So that's a, that's a handful, but I'm going to do my best to cover that in a timely manner. So, I, man, as soon as I open it and start studying it, I couldn't get past the first three-letter word yet. I mean, you've got to stop right there. And Yeah, the Israelites, we knew all of this. You've made all your promises. You've kept all your promises. Yet, you know, in other ways to say, uh, but, or, yeah, we know all that, but, you know, something along those lines. And how many people have done that with God? Please don't make me raise my hand by myself. <laughs> yeah, how many people have done that? I know I've done it. I, I may have done it recently. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, like, God, I see all this. I see all this, but my plan's so much better. And obviously that doesn't work out for me, ever. Uh, so yeah, we got to stop at the word yet. It's a tough word. And it's the same word yet that we see when the spies came back. You know, 12 spies got sent out. 10 came back going, mm-hmm. Two came back going, this is awesome. But it's the same word that the 10 scared ones use, this yet. And so essentially, like I said, 12 went out, 10 came back, and they said, yeah, yeah, all 12 actually said this. Yeah, we spied the land that you told us, and it was just as the Lord said. It was awesome. This is land of milk and honey, man. The Lord kept his promise again. But 10 of them, uh, you know, jumped in and gave the yet, in spite of everything that God promised and followed through with, which they witnessed. So remember, God's carried them for all these years and all this getting them out of Egypt, and they've watched him come through time and time again, and then now, we're not so sure. Yeah, it's a great looking looking land, but we're scared. They couldn't believe or trust that God was going to give them the strength and the ability to defeat defeat the giants and the fortified cities that were there. And of course, when we were reading it, uh, as we get deeper too, it's, uh, I don't know, bedazzled kind of word where the, the buildings are up to the heavens. And, and, you know, the guys were big, yeah, but, but, you know, I think it was a little bit overdone by the ten, the way it's explained in Scripture. And, and then you had the two there going, eh, makes sense? Good? So, all right, let's keep rolling. I get hit 26. I'm going to finish, other than the yet, I'm going to finish 26 through 29. 
So you were, uh, God says, you were not willing to go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God, and you grumbled in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren has made our hearts melt, saying that the people are bigger and taller than we. The cities are large and fortified to heaven. And besides, we saw the sons of Anakin there. Then I said to you, do not be shocked nor fear them. So again, not to repeat myself, but up till now, God's done nothing but keep his promises. One after another after another. He's done nothing but been faithful to, to Israel. And so if they would have just pumped the brakes a little bit, like got together and said, all right, let's think this through. He's always came through from us in the past. Why are we doubting now? And you know, science sites 2020. When I used to read, uh, I got caught up sometimes when you read some of the scripture and you're like, clowns, do you not see what's right there? And then as I matured in Christ, I started going, clown, don't you see what's there? So I stopped calling them clowns because I'm in there too, and I don't want to be a clown. Uh, but yeah, it's like we do that all the time. God showed, he, he walks us through this just yuck. He walks us through the yuck and then we run into yuck two weeks later and we go straight to panic mode. We forget that he just carried us through two weeks ago and we don't rely on that. We go right into whatever you are, fix it mode, panic mode, whatever it is. And we're doing exactly what they did. We, we forget about the good. It's almost like that, what have you done for me lately kind of thing. And so that's what they're doing. And like I said, if it had just taken a minute, they'd have known that he's never let them down. And yeah, the journey was tough. I could see them being a little frustrated. That wasn't an easy trek, you know, all through leaving Egypt and, and, and uh, through the forest and, and stuff. But God still kept all his promises. He never stopped. And that's what these people kind of lost sight of. So now when God tells them, go up, take that land that uh, I promised you, and they answer back, which is two, two really strong words, a lack of belief and a lack in trust of God. And, you know, those can be synonymous with disobedience. And I want to stay with lack of belief and lack of trust because that's, that's what it is. And uh, they even went as far as, if, if you remember in Scripture that I just read, they went as far as to say God hates us. So not just he doesn't love us anymore, can we do something to get right? They go way off the reservation with, yeah, God hates us. He brought us out here to die. He should have just left us alone. And there's nothing farther from the truth than that. God does not hate them. He did not hate them. He does not hate us. He loves us. And, and that, I'll give you proof of that. So for today, we know God already has given us the greatest demonstration of his love, right? So, uh, Robert, can you roll the Romans? So Paul tells us, I just want to get a verse out there. So Paul tells us in Romans 5.8, uh, God, but God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Make sense? And so what, what greater love, and that's talked about all through scripture, what greater love than for him to die, send his son to die for us? Well, I, I can't think of a greater demonstration of love. And so basically, he's done nothing greater, and he's already done what he's done in Jesus, we can now do is simply receive his love. We can sit back and receive God and, and the Lord's love based on what God did for us. And I got to tell you, when some people talk justice, justice is a good word and I like that word, but I'm going to be the first to tell you, I don't want to ask God for justice because that's going to be a rough day for me, R- rough long time for me. <laughs> I want God's mercy, not his justice. 
And so that's what our Lord's about. And that's why Jesus came for us. Make sense? Let me jump into 30. Uh, so uh, verse 30. The Lord, the Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight on your behalf just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Again, another little stinger there of you saw it before. You saw it before. Why are you in this disbelief and doubt? You've seen it before. So what we see here is Moses is basically encouraging and trying to pump up the Israelites like, dude, you guys have seen it. We've done it. Don't make the mistakes that we've done in the past. Don't make the mistakes your father's done. And he's telling them to specifically remember. God keeps his promises. And he's fought for them in the past and he will do the same thing. Just go up and take the land, guys. Go. Do what I told you. And of course, they're, they're sitting back going, eh, eh. And, and you start hearing excuses. And we'll get into excuses a little bit later. Make sense? 32. Uh, verse 32. So, but for all this, you did not trust the Lord your God. So basically, God's just hammering them now. And it's, you know, what God is telling them is all their disobedience to God's laws and their distrust of his power and his goodness come from a disbelief of his word. Man, that's a tough spot to be in. When you're distrusting God and you don't believe it because you don't even believe his word. He's shown you, again, not to beat a dead horse, but he's shown you all these things and you're still, hmm. Yeah, I'm there too. Part of the clown crew. Uh, I do that too. And I'm guessing, other than my wife, everybody else is in that boat. So I want to share with you uh, what I would consider a Stanley Cup Game 7 uh, game-winning goal. Uh, Robert, you ready? So this is uh, a quote from Matthew Henry, just the stud of the Bible, man. And so Matthew Henry said, Thus, they could not enter in because of unbelief. It was not the breach of any of the commands of the law that shut them out of Canaan. No, not the golden calf, but their disbelief in that promise which was typical of gospel grace to signify that no sin will ruin us but unbelief, which is a sin against the remedy. Man, that's, the, you know, I, it makes me, when I think of that, like, dude, you ain't getting in. I would never want to hear those, that verbiage, ever. And, and so they were in a tough spot now, and we're going to start to see how they do some transition. And so let's jump. We're going to do 34 to 40 now. Uh, everybody ready? Verse 34, so then the Lord heard the sound of your words, and he was angry and took an oath, saying, not one of these men, this evil generation, shall, shall see the good land which I swore to give your fathers. Verse 36, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it, and to him and to his sons I will give the land on which he has set foot, because he has followed the Lord fully. The Lord was angry, and now Moses is now talking back to him, the Lord, uh, the Lord was angry with me also on your account, saying, not even you shall enter there. And so uh, verse 38, Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter there. Encourage him, for he will cause Israel to inherit it. And uh, verse 39, moreover, your little ones who you said will become prey, and your sons who this day have no knowledge of good or evil, shall enter there. And I will give it to them, and they shall possess it. And let's close with 40. But as for you, turn around and set out for the wilderness by the Red Sea. So they're, they're making all these excuses and all this. And God goes, oh, yeah, so here, here's what I got for you. And man, that's, that's rough. You're hearing that you, your leader, 
And everybody above the age of 20, that's where the cut, God made the cutoff, anybody above the age of 20 wasn't going to enter the promised land. They're not going in. And man, I, I can't imagine what went on in camp that night. I just picture all that. It's almost like the campers out there. I just picture this huge camping area. And everybody's by their tents and sticking their head out. Hey, did you hear? This is bad, man. This is bad. And, you know, I'm sure rumor mills flying around. And even Moses, the leader, Moses is leading them. And it's been through thick and thin. He's not getting in. So I'm guessing it was pretty bummer of a night that night when uh, he gave this word. So backtracking, answering to, uh, with 34, uh, I'm sorry, verse 34, God he, God, he was angry and took an oath. So he's answering to Israel's unbelief and lack of trust in his love. And so he swore an oath to them that all the adult generation, like I said, 20 and older, would not go into the promised land, but would die in the wilderness. Tough, 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 tough to take. And so, but God made two exceptions. He made exception for Caleb and he made exception for uh, Joshua. And not to jump on too much, but Caleb and Joshua were two of the 12 of the spies that went up and checked stuff out. 10 came back scared. Joshua and Caleb were trying to silence them, but obviously they got overrun by all of the people and the 10 spies. Basically, I told them to be quiet. And I read some scripture where it talked about, they talked about stoning those two. But God made an exception for uh, Caleb and uh, Joshua. And uh, God pointed out that Caleb and Joshua were the only two faithful men. The only two faithful men. Remember that. And so I got another quote. This is another great quote. This is by John Maxwell. This just really ties things up. Like I almost should have not said anything and just read this quote. Uh, This is what happened with the spies. Ten saw barriers, two saw blessings. Ten saw giants, two saw God. Ten saw fortified cities and their faith crumbled. Two possessed faith and saw the fortified cities crumble. Two said the best is yet to come. Ten said the best isn't to come or is not to come. And that wraps it up. When those 12 guys got back, Two are going, guys, he's shown us, he's shown us. And the first half he had right. Remember he said God made a promise that the land's going to be awesome. And it was. They even brought fruit back, showing the fruit. And yeah, dude, the land's great. And uh, yet the, the nation as a whole wanted to follow the 10 scared guys and say, yeah, you're right. We should be scared. It's not where we want to be. So let's cover 37 here. Not even you shall enter there. So this is God telling Moses Remember, I don't know who's ever been in leadership, but this, this is tough. Moses, uh, you know, not anything to ever, you know, the, the whole, and I think Drew may have covered this, the whole Old Testament is a foreshadow for Jesus. That's what we're looking at. But Moses, as a man, was a stud in the, in the Old Testament, you know. He was a leader. He was meek and quiet. You know, he wasn't a big, you better follow me or I'll kill you kind of guy. He was meek, but he led by example. And that's what leaders need. And so Moses is now being told after all this, and I believe he's about 120 now, after all this, you ain't going either, dude. And, and that was hard. And Moses knew that. If you look back on that, we don't have time to go into numbers. But in numbers, uh, numbers kind of parallel uh, Deuteronomy. If you remember in numbers, uh, the people were grumbling and, and you know, beating on Moses about water. And so Moses took it to the Lord, and the Lord said, yeah, it's fine. Grab your staff. And uh, go to a rock. Don't do that. Go to the rock and, and tell the rock. Talk to the rock and say, hey, you know, bring out water. God gave Moses specific instructions. And so Moses, just like Dave would probably do, grabbed his staff, walked out angry that everybody's mad at him, 
and grabbed his staff and hit the rock twice. And, of course, God still made water come out of that rock, but Moses blew it, man. He had specific instructions from God, and he made it all about him. He took God and said, get out of the way. I want the glory. And he made this big show absolutely against what God didn't want. And so it's, it's crazy that you could think that, you know, Moses, Moses was a broken man, just like we are. And it's just crazy to think that God can take a broken man like Moses and use him in, in just amazing ways. And it just makes me get joyful and feel good that God can take a broken Dave and use him in whatever ways he wants. And God can make a broken you and a broken you and a broken you and you and you. And you might not be able to use Mike Descalzo, but for sure you, Marty. <laughs> he can for sure use you. And so, uh, yeah, it's, just, it's crazy that, 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 that that's how God works. You know, he, just, he uses us even though we're broken. But what we have to do is we have to believe and we have to trust and when he gives a command, follow it. Not on your time, not on his time, or not on your time, on his time. Makes sense? And I'm going to talk about that at the end. Uh, and so, 38. Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter there. So encourage him, for he will cause Israel to inherit it. So now Moses is going, not only am I going to get in, but I've got to train the guy that's going to take my job. <laughs> Tough. But you know what? And again, not to make Moses too big, he's not the focus. Obviously, God's our focus. But as a man, Moses took that, man. He never skipped stride. He loved God all the way through. He trusted God. He encouraged everybody else around him to trust God. And how hard that would that be knowing there's no grand prize for you, pal. You're not going in to the promised land. I'm not saying he didn't have salvation. I'm saying he's not going into the promised land. And that's tough as a leader to try to keep trucking and train the guy that's going to take your job when you don't want to leave your job. You're, you like your job, and certainly not under those circumstances. So I, I just want to give Moses a little props. He, he falls into the clown crew, but uh, man, he did a lot of good stuff, and God used him crazy. So in reality, Moses brought Israel the law, which showed them how flawed they truly were in God's eyes and their need for a savior. Does that make sense? And so for us, I'm sorry, yeah, for us, God sent his son to suffer and die for us so that we can be forgiven and enter into a promised land relationship with him. Right? Amen? That's an amen. All right, 39. Moreover, your little ones who, who you said would become a prey and your sons who this day have no knowledge of good or evil shall enter there. And I will give it to them as they shall possess it. So one of the excuses that, that uh, they were using is, what about the kids, man? If we go up and fight, our kids are going to die. So they prop the kids up and God goes, oh, I hear what you're saying. So guess what? Your kids are going to be fine. Your kids are going to inherit the kingdom, but you're not. Your kids are going to be all great. They're going to inherit that land, but you're going to die out here in the forest. So don't worry about your kids. I could just say almost him like, laughing nice try you know a, a, an excuse that they they uh tried to throw out there and god just answered it man i have a quote from charles spurgeon that i think ties uh the excuse section really well you got it up there awesome thanks robert anything in fact will serve as an excuse 
when the heart is bent on compromise. How can you say that better, man? I can twist stuff to make an excuse all day. And so as believers, or even just non-believers, everybody about us, we can make excuses and we can fool some people. Again, not my wife, because I would never make an excuse. But we can fool people around us, friends, family. We can come up with excuses because normally they don't have enough info to even challenge you on it. And, you know, some of your friends may not be challenging type. But guess who isn't fooled? God. He sees right through every excuse that fast. He sees it, and he makes you own it. Make sense? You can't hide from the Lord when you're trying to put out excuses, and that's what they tried to do. What about the kids? And he's like, no, your kids are good. Thanks for asking. But you need to turn around and head that way towards the Red Sea. Remember that one I opened for you? Yeah, head back that way. And so, yeah, we got to be careful with that. Jumping in, verse 41. So then you said to me, we have sinned against the Lord. We will indeed go up and fight just as the Lord our God commanded us. And every man of you girded on his weapons of war and regarded it as easy to go up into the hill country. Verse 42, and the Lord said to me, say to them, do not go up nor fight for I am not among you. Otherwise, you will be defeated before your enemies. So I spoke to you, but you would not listen. Instead, you rebelled again, I added again, against the command of the Lord and acted presumptuously and went up the hill and went up to the hill country. And verse 44, the Amorites who lived in that hill country came out against you and chased you as bees do and crushed you from Seir to Hormah. Then you returned and you wept before the Lord. But the Lord did not listen to your voice, nor give ear to you. So you remained in Kadesh many days, the days that you spent there. So let's jump into 41 real quick. Then you said to me, we have sinned against the Lord, we will indeed go up. So after hearing about the consequences, Israel's like, oh man, this isn't good, all right, we're ready now. And if you, in the scriptures I'll get to, they even said, we find it easy. So a couple days prior it was, we can't go, they're going to wipe us out, we don't trust you, God. Now it's, yeah, we think of it easy. We're going to gird up and go. We've got this. But you should have had it a couple days ago when it would have been easy because God's with you. But they're going up now. They're going up in the flesh. They don't have God with them. And they get chased out too easy by the people that they go up against. And so, again, they went, up, they went forward and not in faith because God wasn't with them. And so just like our outcome, when we try to, when we get into deep waters or tough things come our way, I'm one of the guys, I, 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 I try not to, but man, I try to like, I got this. I'll try to fix it. I got it, man. I know God's with me, but I'll try to fix it. And my outcome is always going to be the same as theirs. When you go about things or try to handle things on your own, you're going to fail. Failure is the word you should really ingrain in your head if that's what you're going to do. Because you can just fail first and then not even go. It's not going to work. You have to be a... a let God take it. You've got to turn it all over to God. And then he's going to give you the direction, specific things to do, and follow him. And, and not when, the key too here is not when, you know, when God gives you something, it's not when you're ready. It's when he says it. And don't try to put your twist on it. Like, yeah, I like that. Mike Descalzo said something years ago, and I loved it. Mike's like, man, every time I try to do something myself, God comes around and I'm like, oh, here, God, you can have this and this. And God goes, oh, no, I don't want those. I want that. And, God, and Mike's like, oh my gosh, I don't want, I need to keep that. That's right here, and I really like that. And God's like, yeah, that's great. That's why I want it. And that's what's kind of going on here. You know what I mean? That's the, that's the point. Is uh, At this point, they were just re- supposedly 
uh, repenting for their disobedience to God for not, not taking the promised land when he told them to. And so what did they do? They thought it was best to, hey, what should we do? He's mad and we got bad consequences. I say we disobey him again. Who's in? And that's what they did. They're like, oh, let's gird up and go. But they were on their own. Like I said, they were on their own and, and they weren't sorry for grieving God's heart. They're sorry because they know the consequences now. And so they're scrambling to make it right. Gosh, oh, okay, okay, we'll do it now, we'll do it now. And, and the clock had timed out there. It was too late for them. Make sense? Uh, and so verse 44, let's close with this one. The Amorites who lived in that hill country came out against you and chased you as bees do. And so obviously this attempt ended in disaster, like I said before. And so they started to cry out again. And, and like I said earlier, the crying wasn't because they disobeyed God. They're crying because they got caught and now they know the consequences. They got to just go off and die in the wilderness. No promised land, none of the stuff that they had. And that's got to be hard, man. Man, I, I walked for 40 years, and now I got to turn around and do it again? You know, I don't get the, the end result. And, and that's a result of what we get when we disobey God. You get into a disobedience phase or whatever with God, it's not going to end well with you. I promise he's going to win. So it, try to put the brakes on before you get there and just turn it over to him. Let God carry you through those like he was uh, talking about. Make sense? All right, I'm going to end with a challenge. So here's my challenge. I love challenging. Not arm wrestling. You're too big. Uh, So here's my challenge. The next time you feel God or God's telling you, go do this. Ryan, I want you to do this. Go do it. Don't say, yeah, yeah, when I'm ready, I'll get to it eventually. Do it when he tells you. And don't, like I said, put your spin on it. Yeah, I like, I like that and that, but yeah, I'm going to do it this way on this one. And I'll just tweak this one a little bit. So it's mostly your idea, God. Uh, but I'm going to have some of mine. So do it when he tells you, exactly how he tells you. And then just sit back and, and watch the blessings. Watch the way God works in your life. And then when you're done with that and you see how that works out, tell a buddy. I'll listen. Bruce loves to listen to stories. You can tell Bruce. He's always available. Uh, so just call him up. I, oh, I didn't put his number on the screen, but I'll get his number to you guys later. But share it with somebody. Just share that experience. You don't know who you're going to encourage with that. You got encouragement. Share that with someone in church or not even, maybe at work, someone that's, you know, sprinkling on, on that. 